Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, it's John C. Morley here. Uh, welcome to the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. Uh, great to have you here. Uh, a little bit late tonight. I know it's 10 to 10. I always promise to get these shows out to you on Friday night before I turn in. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I'll give you what the show's about here in just a second. We have an awesome show that I can't wait uh, to bring to you because I know you guys are interested in knowing what we're doing, You know what's going on. And um, the Jay Moore Tech Talk show is a show that you guys definitely uh, want to check out. I mean, it's one I think you guys are going to really enjoy. And I think it's something that uh, you're going to learn a lot about. I can tell you that you're, you're going to learn. When I say a lot, you're going to learn so much uh, about this because there's just a lot going on. And I feel that... Um, you're going to be able to do so many great things when you hear some of the stuff that we're talking about here on, um, you know, on, um, on the show, uh, every week we bring you some really great, great stuff. And, um, I think for some reason, sometimes people don't quite understand technology. I, I can understand that. Um, but I think the most important thing is knowing that, you know, you can make a real big difference. Okay, a really, really big difference. And so um, I love to share this stuff with you. Uh, the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show airs every single, um, what is it now? Yeah, it airs every single, um, basically every single Friday night. Uh, so I know you guys are definitely going to you know, want to keep tuning in to us because we have some really, really awesome stuff. And I think you're definitely going to, want to see what we're doing and all this good stuff. So definitely, definitely, uh, you know, I want you to uh, be able to see what's going on and, you know, what we're doing and just expand all this great stuff that we're doing. Because I think when you can understand all the stuff we're doing and how this works and how it can impact your life, I think that's just like the thing that's like so amazing. I mean, I think that's really cool. So uh, whether you're here, like I said, at 10 to 10 at night, whether you're here in the morning at 10 to 10, 12 noon, 12 midnight, 3 a.m., 3 p.m., I'm so grateful that you are here with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, before we do get kicking off into the show, I want to let you know who I am. I'm John C. Morley. I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I'm a podcast host and a podcast coach and a specialist in helping businesses, uh, yes, to tell a story that leads to them growing and being more scalable and, of course, more profitable. Now, I typically work with companies that bring in $10 million or more, and I love sharing an amazing story, a story that I feel is going to be something that, you know, you might be wondering about. But, you know, I love to get people curious about different things. I think that I think that's the bottom line. I love to get people um, curious. And so um, let's get right into our topic, shall we? All right. Our master topic is this, ladies and gentlemen. Beyond Boundaries, uh, we're the Jay Moore Tech Talk Series uh, 2, which means we're in the second year. We're on show 50, Unleashes the Digital Frontier. Uh, I think that's uh, awesome. I mean, really, really, really cool. So uh, thinking about all this great stuff. Uh, let's get right in, shall we? All right. So when we talk about uh, everything, and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Welcome to our Instagram people. I know we've got direct feed. Now in Instagram, it's a lot easier with having to use yellow duck and just a lot easier. So great to have you guys with us. And, uh, you know, on the show tonight, we have so much to talk about. So first thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, yes, Apple has fixed the iPhones flipper zero problem. 
So what the heck is the iPhone zero, zero uh, I should say the iPhone's flipper zero problem. So um, iPhone has now come up with a new update, 17.2. We'll talk about that in just a second. So it no longer crashes when it's hit with um, a plethora of pop-ups from flipper zero. Um, Apple has blocked a Bluetooth attack carried out with flipper zero that sent these uh, pop-ups to iPhones, causing them to lock up and crash. And Apple has formally announced the change, um, but it appears that the company has rolled out a fix in the 17.2, which I have now. And according to the tests from ZDNet and 9to5Mac, uh, it appears to have solved the problem. Now, the attack, which allowed users to crash nearby iPhones running iOS 17.0, involved the Flipper Zero, a tiny jack of all trades hacking device. A third-party firmware called Flipper Extreme including a feature that allowed the flippers built-in Bluetooth radio to blast an overwhelming number of Bluetooth alerts to devices. So, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty interesting what's, uh, what's, what's going on there. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, what is, what, what's in, what's, what's in, uh, so what, what are the new um, features uh, with 17.2 iOS? Well, okay. Let's let's talk about that. Uh, so there were a lot of features, uh, a lot of enhancements that got made to seventeen point the um, seventeen point two. Um, one thing was uh, they added the journal app, um, which allows um, people using the Apple iOS seventeen point two to record their daily activities and thoughts with Apple providing optional prompts that can be used as inspiration. Um, it's called the journal app and, uh, journal entries can be added by tapping the plus, uh, button in the journal app. And from there, users can choose a suggestion as for the basis for writing or just opting for new entries. There is the messages app sticker reactions. So you can, um, long press on any chat bubble in the messages app to add a sticker response, um, that can serve as an alternative to a tap back, um, so I think that's a, a pretty cool thing. And you just tap on add sticker and it lets you choose either a sticker or an emoji to apply to the corner of an iMessage. So they must have iMatches. That's important. Um, spatial video recording. So with 17.2, uh, the iPhone 15 Pro and the 15 Pro Max are able to record spatial video that will be viewable in the Photos app on the Vision Pro headset, uh, which, by the way, is coming next year. Yeah, sorry about that. And there's improved telephoto focusing for the iPhone 15 Pro and the 15 Pro Max. The telephoto camera now focuses faster when capturing small, faraway objects. Uh, what else did they add? So they uh, favorites Apple Music playlists, songs that you have favorited in the Apple Music app, are now automatically aggregated into a favorites playlist. Pretty cool, right? Um, so you have the Apple Music favorite song. In the music section of the settings app and there's an option to add songs to your music library which is pretty cool and uh you can check that out as well so apple's music listening history focus filter um so apple added a focus filter for the apple music listening history feature so if you want to let someone else use your device to listen to music you can activate this to turn off the listening history so their song choices won't affect your recommendations uh pretty cool that is a really, really neat feature. Uh, there is the action button translate on the 15 Pro and the 15 Pro Max. Users can now choose a new translate option for the action button. When the action button is set as translate, pressing to hold causes the iPhone to pop up a translate window that listens for spoken messages. So you're probably wondering if I go to my iPhone right now and I just type in the word translate. Yes, uh, I can use the translate uh, piece, but a little bit different than um, the one touch, but similar, similar features. Um, there is the keyboard Apple add an option to disable inline uh, predictions when typing. It can be accessed by opening up the settings app and choosing general, going to keyboard and scrolling down to show predictions inline. A lot of times you're typing something and it gives you something just totally far off. So you can just, just disable that. iMessage contact key verification. Uh, it's a feature designed for those who face extraordinary uh, issues with digital threats, such as journalists, human rights activists, and government officials. Um, so it actually uh, will verify um, there's a key verification before uh, the sending of messages. 
and receiving. So messages in iCloud syncing um, is a setting in the app that has been renamed to messages in the cloud. And it shows the total amount of storage that messages are taking up and the number of messages synced to the iCloud. Uh, there's the messages catch up. If you have a message thread that has a lot of activity, you can use the new catch up arrow to jump to the first unread message in the conversation. There is the Apple TV app. There's the iTunes app. Phone and FaceTime has been enhanced uh, with some slightly new enhancements. FaceTime, if you join a FaceTime call that includes a contact you have blocked, you will now get a warning. And Apple will provide a warning when joining a call with a block content or when a block content is joining a call you're already on. Emergency alerts uh, for local awareness, emergency, local awareness, and um, there's the option to always play sound. Emergency alerts can play a sound even if the phone is in silent mode. So you can turn that on as well. We have the weather widgets. We have the digital uh, clock widget, which is pretty cool. We have contact posters. Uh, you can select rainbow colored text for your name when setting up a contact poster in the contact app, if you'd like to do that. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, there is the books page turning animation. Uh, this is a fast fade option for the page turning animation in the books uh, app. And Apple has also removed the icon that you could turn on to scroll through content quickly. Um, so that was a change that was made. AirPlay. Uh, there's now an AirPlay receiver setting that will allow the upcoming Apple Vision Pro headset to stream or share content to an iPhone. And um, it's basically right in there. It says AirPlay receiver, and you would just toggle that on AirPlay receiver, and it will be able to receive the content. Uh, memo emoji. They uh, Apple add a body section for the emoji where users can customize the waist, uh, bust, shoulders, and even the arms. So it's more than just emoji. It's a memoji. Uh, there's a news app we talked about. Expanded sensitive content warnings. Apple's opt-in for sensitive content warning feature is expanding to contact posters in the contacts and phone apps, as well as stickers in the message apps. And sensitive uh, content warnings used on the device uh, machine learning are there to blur out photos or videos, which may contain nudity um, or other detection that might not be appropriate for users. And so uh, pretty cool. Um, it says something like, you know, this may be sensitive, still show it, or do we need to get help? There's app store categories. Uh, Siri now uh, can access data from the health app. So the personal assistant can provide details on health information um, that can be uh, accessed right through Siri. Um, we have the airdrop feature that has been changed. So airdrop now supports the sharing of boarding passes, movie tickets, and other eligible wallet app passes by bringing two phones next to one another and following the share prompts. Pretty cool, right? You can record to an external device with the iPhone 15 Pro models and the ProRes video. You can uh, record directly to an external device. iOS 17.2 appears now to include a new pop-up message that lets users know that the external recording is not working because of a USB-C cable that is potentially too slow. Uh, Apple Care settings has been changed. Uh, it has been renamed to Apple Care and Warranty, and it still includes Apple Care info for your iPhone and connected devices such as the Apple Watch and also the iPods. Uh, default notification sounds. There's a default alert section that allows you to choose the sound used for all incoming notifications aside from text, mail alerts, counter alerts, which already had customization options. So that's something you're familiar with. Autofill for PDFs. There's the, uh, there's the uh, Qi2 support, which is QI2. Wireless car charging bug fix. Uh, that prevented some iPhones from wirelessly charging on wireless charging pads, uh, including a set number of some vehicles. And so um, it's been interesting what they've done, and I hope that they don't keep releasing more updates because my biggest thing was the battery life. All right, let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, definitely, if you have not, ladies and gentlemen, you can get that latest update. It's really simple to do. You can just go to settings, and you can go right to the settings, and you can just type in the word update. You'll go to software update. Once you do that, you'll see there's an option there. And you, right now on my phone, it says I'm up to date. You guys, hopefully you can see that. Uh, I know it's a little hard on this screen, but because I also have the privacy screen here, which is making that a little bit hard. Um, so you can do that. It's really quick with these uh, features that they have. So definitely do update and get yourself protected. 
The U.S. Chamber, uh, Comcast tech groups are split over the, the neutrality. What the heck's going on with this? Well, yeah, this is this is a this is a real big issue. So the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Comcast Corp said just this past Thursday that they opposed the Federal Communications Commission's proposal to reinstate landmark net neutrality rules, which major tech firms backed uh, the plan. And the SEC in November voted to advance a proposal to assume new regulatory oversight over broadband internet rescinded under the former president, Donald Trump. And the chamber called the plan unlawful and unwise and argued it will have significant negative impacts on investment, innovation, and unserved and undeserved consumers. So the FCC voted in 2017 under the Trump administration to reverse the rules that bared internet service, or I should say barred them, from blocking or throttling traffic or offering paid fast lanes, also known as paid prioritization, that were adopted under then-President Barack Obama in 2015. And the Computer and Communications Industry Association, whose members include Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, which is a big name for Google, Meta Platforms, uh, backed reinstatement saying rules prohibiting blocking, throttling, paid prioritization, and unreasonable conduct must be reinstated to preserve open access to Internet. So a lot's going to happen. And um, a New York Public Service Commission said it supported the FCC plan to reinstate net neutrality, but said New York and other states should be recognized for their ability to regulate issues of state or local concern and oppose the FCC proposal to preempt some state authority. And this was reported by David uh, Shepherdson, who uh, uh, did the research on that. But, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is going on. And you're probably saying, John, what is, if we want to ask the question, what is net neutrality? And so that's a great question. Uh, it's the idea that the internet service providers like Comcast and Verizon should treat all content flowing through their cables and cell towers equally. Um, but they're getting pushback on it. And we're going to have to see what happens. All right. We're just going to have to just see what happens. I'm sure there's a lot going to happen with that. All right. Uh, as you guys know, this entire week, um, and it ends on Sunday, I start my reels just like I do my master topics. Uh, this whole week was all about features uh, with Windows 11. And so I want to jump into one I think that's pretty cool. It's how to enable and disable the title bar shake. Well, what the heck is the title bar shake? Well, that's a very, very good question. So the title bar shake is a cool feature. If you enable it, all you have to do is right-click on your bar at the bottom, and you can go to your task bar settings. Then all you do is on the left uh, menu, you're going to click on system, left-click. You'll scroll down on the uh, right, and you'll see something that says multitasking. Left-click on that. You'll see an option that says title bar window shake. When I grab a Windows title bar and shake it, Minimize all the windows. You have to just toggle that on. That's a pretty cool feature, and I've used it already quite a bit. It saves so much time. It's actually fun. You just literally take the top and you just go back and forth once or twice, like back and forth, and it just minimizes all the windows behind you. That is really, really cool. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you are frustrated that, you know, you went to Windows 11 and now suddenly, oh, my gosh, the uh, start button is, yes, in the center, and you want it back on the left because you're used to Windows 10. Well, you can go to taskbar settings, again, by right-clicking on the bottom there. Very, very easy to do. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the most important thing is that we have uh, these types of flexibilities. So we're going to click on the personalization, and we're going to go down to where it says taskbar behaviors. And you're going to see something that says alignment. Uh, you can choose a left. It'll go back to the left. You can put it on center. It'll go back to center. So you have that easy. It's very easy, and it's very simple to use, and I think you'll thank me once you figure that out. It's really simple. All right, so now that we know that we can do that very easily, uh, there's something I think that a lot of people wonder about is, you know, you know, we do these copies and these pastes all day long, and sometimes it'd be nice to be able to get to those easily. Well, if you hit the Windows and the V key together, you will actually get a uh, basically a dialog box that shows your last uh, few clips. It stores, I think it stores maybe a couple dozen, and then it just kind of, you know, you know, pushes them out. So basically it works on a, um, basically the, la the, uh, the last one in, 
I will be the first one out being removed um, from being from on the board. And so we have an option for clearing. We can there's three little dots. We can click on the three dots and we can choose basically the option that appears paste as text. We can choose the trash can for delete. Uh, we also have another option that is pin. If I pin it, then it will never be uh, removed. And that's pretty cool. So all I did to, to get that, ladies and gentlemen, is just the Windows key V, and voila, it pops right up on my screen. All right, so widgets. What the heck is a widget? We talk about widgets so many times, but what the heck is a widget? So a widget is uh, a really unique small little app in Windows that allows us to do lots of different things. So if I hit the Windows key W, I will get my widgets um, area. And so you'll see basically you have home, you have a, a following, you have a, a watch, you have a play, and you have basically a line at the top, like top stories. You can scroll down, okay? You can click on the plus sign and you can choose what widget you want to add. I don't know, maybe you want to add one about entertainment. So you could click that, and now the entertainment one would be added to your list. You could unpin the widget very easily by just left-clicking on those uh, on the side there. Again, I could go to plus. Let's say I wanted to add family safety. I click on family safety, and suddenly I get a widget about empowering your family safety with digital and physical safety security. And uh, you can click right on that. You can click learn more. So it's a neat thing. I've talked to a lot of people. Some people like them and some people don't. Now, you also can do your widget as a large widget or as a small widget. You have that option to customize them. Um, when you have a small widget, you basically get a very small view of it. When you go to medium, it's a little bigger. And then when you go to large, it's a lot bigger. Uh, and when I say a lot, I'm talking about, you know, maybe like one might be like three inches, one might be six inches, one might be like, maybe eight inches roughly. So there's another one I really like. It's called Travel Times, okay? This, this is really cool. So you can go to Plus, and you can literally go to where it says Traffic. Now, if traffic is already on your list, then when you go to click the Add Widget on the Widget button, um, you will not see it as an option. So there's Entertainment. There's Family Safety. There's, there's Game Pass. There's the Outlook Calendar. If I hit the Outlook Calendar, this is really cool, ladies and gentlemen. I click the Outlook Calendar, okay, and my Outlook Calendar is right here on my list. That is really cool. What I'd like to see, I don't think they have it yet, I would like to see my Google Calendar as a widget. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, you have a watch list option. On a watch list are basically uh, things like uh, stocks. There are different stocks there, so you can customize the widget. You can add what stock you want, you can remove it, um, et cetera. Um, so that's really, really um, cool. You can unpin the widget, like I said. You can um, make it small, large. Um, and so that's a neat little thing. And you're wondering, well, where does it get the information? Well, so all the information that it gets, you're probably wondering that, it gets it from your Microsoft account. So basically it says signed in by, so right now I'm using an account that's not an online account. So there's not as much information available, but if I was signed in, it would have even more information. All right. So uh, that would be I'm using an online account. There's also the play widget. If I click on play, then basically I get uh, my play widgets. Okay. If I go back to my watch, uh, then I will basically. cool uh the thing that a lot of people ask me is john you know can i can i get other widgets uh for windows 11 so you know that's a great question um right now they're not there but i'm sure more widgets are going to come in the future and i just think it's a great thing to use it can help you be a lot more uh productive um on another note H&R Block launches AI tax filing assistant. I don't know about you, but I see this as a disaster. Uh, the AI tax assist will actually answer users' tax filing questions. And the tax prep company, H&R Block, um, basically using the AI tax assist, 
through uh, paid versions of H&R Block, do-it-yourself tax software, lets users ask questions on tax rules, possible exemptions, and other tax-related uh, concerns. And it points people to a human tax expert for more personalized advice if the AI is going to be confused. Um, in a recent demo, the company showed how users with complicated tax filing statuses, uh, say a gig worker, can start their tax return, and they can then ask AI tax assistance for information like, what can I deduct as a business expense as a um, Lyft or Uber driver? The AI will provide a list of allowed deductions, and the user can choose to use that list or not in the final filing. H&R Block uh, will basically show a banner informing users that the feature is powered by AI and offers sample prompts. The company said, uh, quote, customers want to be informed that a feature uses AI to help build trust. My question is, what happens when the system messes up? Because, I mean, people are putting all this trust in it, right? But how do we really know that I know that you can always talk to a human, a human being, but really I see this being a problem. I don't think a lot of people are going to um, reach out for that extra help. I don't I see that as a problem. So how about, you know, using your Windows every day, right? And Windows 11 and you have all these windows open. Well, wouldn't it be nice to just get back to that desktop for a quick split second with just a key? So hit the Windows key and D and you'll immediately be back to your desktop. Hit the Windows key and D again. It'll automatically bring you right back to where you were. So I think those are pretty, um, pretty cool things uh, that you definitely can, you know, can check out. Uh, another thing that I think that's really, really interesting, and and uh, a lot of people ask me about it, is you know in Windows, uh, Windows 11 allows us to do something else. You know what that is? Windows 11 allows multiple desktops. So what do I mean by multiple desktops? Um, all right. So if I'm going to hit the Windows Control and D feature together then I'm automatically on another desktop. If I hit the, the Windows key and the tab key, I will see my desktops on the bottom. I can create another one and I can all tab, I can, I can Windows tab back and forth. I think that's pretty cool. You know why I like this? Maybe you're working on something for business and you wanna have a set of apps and programs open, but then maybe you're working on something for home and you wanna keep them separate and you wanna be able to flip back and forth on a break or something like that, or or just having things organized differently. So th that's a cool thing uh, that Windows 11 allows you to do. How many of you out there game, right? Anybody game? Okay. So with the gaming feature, you can do a Windows key G. And when you do a Windows key G, you'll get things like, um, you know, you'll get, you'll get your screen. You'll get to be able to do a, a picture from this very easily. You can record. You can do mic. You can... Uh, change your audio, look at your performance. Uh, you can even change like uh, the voice, where is the voice being recorded from? And I think these are really cool things. Uh, and then there's even options like share to Twitter, et cetera. And um, this is meant to make your gaming experience better because it even shows your CPU performance, your GPU performance, your VRAM, your RAM, and your frames per second. Really, really cool. And by the way, it's giving me my performance CPU uh, percentage ratio. So we're fluctuating between about one to about seven and it goes back and forth. So really cool. I'm going to stop that windows key G and I'm back. So that's really cool, right? I think a lot of people that are using windows 11 today don't understand that there are so many features in windows 11 that can make a huge, huge difference for us. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's really a, a big thing. So let's talk about one Maybe you need certain accommodations. If you hit the Windows key and the U key together, well, you'll be prompted with a dialog box that comes up saying accessibility. Here you can change the text size, uh, visual effects, such as the scroll bars, transparency, animation, notification timeouts, um, mouse pointer and touch, text cursor, magnifier, color filters, contrast themes, and even the, the narrator. Uh, having it read things for you when you click or go to certain screens. That's pretty cool. You can also change the hearing accommodations. Like, do you want the hearing to be, for example, uh, mono, combine left and right audio channels into one? Do you want to flash my screen during audio notifications? Never. Flash the title bar of the active window, flash the active window, or flash the entire screen. Sound. 
do you want to use basically your speakers or your external speakers or Bluetooth? Or whatever? It is? So you've got all this accessibility right there. You have sound themes too. If I click on sound themes, I can actually come in here. And this is where you actually can set, when we say a sound theme, like there's a Windows default and there's other ones and you can create your own. And this is where you basically map the sounds that you want when different Windows actions happen. It's also a great place to go and, and you know, check things out. Like if you want to play a Windows sound and see if it's working because they kind of move that, right? So, you know, lots of unique things. And again, all I did was go to Windows U and I got that information. Now, if I went to, let's say, the visual effects, I have access to things like always show scroll bars, transparency effects, animation effects, dismiss notifications after this amount of time. By default, it's five. You could do seven. You could do 15. You could do 30 seconds, one minute, or you could do five minutes. Uh, you have related uh, settings like mod or brightness, nightlight, uh, display profile. And when you click on there, you get things like nightlight. So like use warmer colors to help block blue light. Uh, you can adjust the brightness of the built-in display. You can use HDR for games, videos, and other apps. You can change the size of the text apps and other uh, items such as uh, 250%, 100%, 125, 150, 175, 200, 400%. So just gives you some kind of idea. Display resolution. Um, you can change that all from here. Again, this is all in usability. So you can get there through other ways too, but it's just very handy the way you can get there through the usability options. Uh, you can also manage your multiple displays. So I mean, really, really handy features. Again, and I got here all by just going to the Windows U option. We also have the mouse pointer and touch. Here I can decide to, uh, you know, invert so I can have my my um, mouse, let's say, be black instead of being white. I can choose a custom. If I click on custom, uh, well, then like for right now, I could pick what color it is. By default, it has a green. And then my mouse is now green. I can click back and go back to the white. I can change the size of my pointer. I think that is really amazing, guys. This is really cool. You have a touch indicator that shows a circle on the screen where I touch it. You can make the circle darker or larger. Uh, mouse pointer speed and primary button scrolling. These are all under usability options, okay? Really, really easy and simple to get to. Text cursor. Um Use a text cursor to indicate to make your text cursor stand out in a C. Like maybe you're typing and you want to see that the text cursor is a certain way. And you can actually see what it's going to look like. So if I turn it on, I actually get an idea of what the text cursor um, is going to look like. Okay. And so what the text cursor is basically is where your text is. It's going to show um, that basic uh, little tiny balloon. And you can make it bigger, you can make it smaller, whatever you want. You can turn off the text cursor indicator preview. Okay, you can do that. Uh, you can also enable the text cursor thickness preview. Okay, uh, that's another cool thing you can do. But remember, in order to do this, you have to have the text cursor indicator on. And then I can basically see how it's going to look. I mean, I think that is really, I think that I think that's pretty cool. And um, again, these are all things to make your life easier. Uh, maybe you have someone that's having an issue, whether it's sound, maybe it's visual impairment. Uh, very, very easy to use. And I got through this all by the Windows and the U. Uh, that's how I got there. So I didn't have to go anywhere crazy. I can get out of there very easy. I can just do Windows U. I can even go to where it says narrator. Now, I'm not actually going to turn on right now, but I have the option to turn on narrator. So I can say start narrator before sign in. Start narrator after sign-in. Um, keyboard shortcut for narrator. Press the Windows logo key, okay? And the control and enter to turn narrator on or off. So that's the Windows key, the control key, and the enter. Windows, control, and enter will allow you to turn the narrator on anytime you want. Right now, I have that option enabled. If I didn't have it enabled and I press that, it wouldn't work. So again, Windows, control, enter will immediately just turn on the narrator. You have the narrator home section where you can show the narrator home when narrator starts. That's pretty cool. Uh, you can choose a voice. Right now I have it set to Microsoft David, and there's a few others, like maybe four or five other ones. You can add natural voices. Um, 
you know, and you can choose different ones. You can download them. You can install them. There's like a Microsoft Rhine Natural. And there's other ones. So those are pretty cool, too. You can lower the volume of other apps when the narrator is speaking. And you also have narrator audio output device. Maybe I'm listening to music, but I want the narrator to come out of my ears or I want the, everything to come out of my ears, but I want the narration to come out of my PC as, you know, external speakers. So I could do that if I want. I have a uh, verbosity level. I can control things like all control details, text only, some control, uh, some text details or all text details. So it can, can tell how much it's going to read as opposed to you know what it doesn't read. Context level for buttons and controls. Do I want to have no context, immediate context, immediate context name and type, full context of new control, full context of old and new control. And again, setting all these seems easy, but it could be annoying if you have too much of this going. You have the narrator key, which is normally caps lock or insert. And you have lock the narrator key so I don't have to press it for each command. That's really cool. You have on-touch keyboards, activate keys when I lift my finger. Okay. Uh, read and interact with screen using the mouse. Keyboard layout, I can have different keyboard like standard or legacy. I can show the narrator cursor if I want to. I can move my text cursor with the narrator cursor as narrator reads text. You can have that on. You can have that off. I can sync the narrator cursor and system focus, navigation mode, etc. I can even use, yes, I can even use Braille. They have to download and install Braille for that to work, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, you know, you may not want to do that, but you have that option. I think, I think that's really cool. So um, now you might be saying to me, John, what's that going to do? So Braille is something people have to literally write. They have to like touch. So that would be something that um, you could have, let's say, a device that could output something and you could read Braille, right? It could actually output that. That would be another device. Um, really cool. Uh, you have the automatically send diagnostic and performance data. Um, you know, you have... Um, get image descriptions, page titles, and popular links, and you have the privacy statement. Um, so under the how Microsoft uses your narrator and data, for what purposes, and you can click on that, and you can learn. It directs you to a Microsoft site, and it lets you know how they're going to be using your data. So I think that is really, really, really cool. Um, another one I want to talk to you about is called the Windows key shift. So if you do the Windows key, okay, uh, shift and S, Windows, shift, and S, okay, and that what that does is that opens up a screen where I basically can um, can snip. It's just like opening the snipper screen. But when you do this, it's like just kind of right on your screen. And it just kind of opens up like a limited version where you can just kind of very easily. And so when I click that, I can really just click Windows Shift S. And once I do that, I have the option of basically doing a square. I can do freeform. I can do uh, window mode. I can do... Uh, full screen, and then I can also exit out or I can hit escape. So these are really cool things. But uh, before we run tonight, I want to share a very interesting story. And that is about why are McDonald's ice cream machines? Why are McDonald's ice cream machines basically, why are they always, why are they always broken? Yeah, why are McDonald's ice cream machines always broken? And, you know, this is a very, very interesting thing. Um, so let's talk a little about this. So in order to understand this, if you've ever gone to uh, McDonald's before and you've asked for ice cream, their machine is broken. Like you go in the morning, you go in the afternoon, it's like it's always broken. And and this is a lot of times. But if you go to like a Chick-fil-A or you go to a Burger King or you go to any other restaurant, okay? And the funny thing is they all use the same machines. They all use Taylor. And yet, their machines aren't broken. So the interesting thing, I did a little digging on this. And so these machines are not really that user-friendly. And what basically happens is the when you sign up to be part of a Microsoft, uh, Microsoft uh, uh, McDonald's franchise, you have to agree to use a specific machine. Okay? And... Uh, the machine that you have to agree to use is the Taylor C602. But a lot of the other um, places now don't use the C602. They use something else. And it's like they're always updating it with more dilapidated, crippling software. 
that makes the machine even harder. Now, a lot of the people starting at these places are getting minimum wage, uh, nothing against them, but they don't know how to operate this machine and they just want to run it and their operators want to make money, but for whatever reason, they can't because the machine's always breaking down. And then, you know, they don't know what to do. And so people get very frustrated. You know, one guy even wrote an app uh, called McBroken <laughs> to literally show all the McDonald's that were broken and all the ones that were still working. And so, you know, this machine, first of all, doesn't even come with buttons that have names on it. They have pictures. So, like, press the flavor button and you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the selection button, but the selection button is not the word selection. It might be like a thing where press the setting button and the flavor button and the setting button might be a cog, but they don't explain that. And so the thing that was interesting to me is that, you know, I asked a few people and I asked the people I know that own McDonald's. I also know some people that own Wendy's and they never have issues with their um, you know, they're, they're, uh, what is it? They have, a uh, Wendy's has a, um, softy, right? They never have issues. They're always working. And so, um, you know, I was wondering, you know, was it a maintenance issue? Like what's going on? So what really happens is it's a maintenance issue. The machine is not working. And so, but a lot of times the machine's just not ready. So there's a lot that goes into making ice cream, right? Without getting all those details. And so in order to keep the machine sterile and clean and free from any type of bacteria, once a day, you run a clean cycle, which basically gets the ice cream and all the tubes, which is all the dairy going through, up to 151 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, pretty straightforward. However... After that clean cycle finishes, if it doesn't run properly, the machine locks out. So typically you run it um, late at night before you're closing up, come back in, and the machine's still locked out in the morning. So, okay, we'll run it again. And now it's lunchtime. We still don't have it. It failed again. It's like it says something like uh, heat cycle failed or heat cycle malfunction. But they never bother to tell you, like, what malfunction? Like what went wrong? And so um, the thing is, a lot of these franchise owners don't want to get the service people. Now, you only can get Taylor's certified technicians to come out. Unfortunately, that's the only thing they allow are people to service this machine. And so to get Taylor to come out to service this machine. All right. You ready, everyone? About $145 to $175 for the first 30 minutes. That's a lot. And a couple hundred dollars every 15 minutes after. So an average repair could be three, four hundred dollars. So maybe it's something like the hoppers filled too much or something like that. And a lot of these people are not going to make these, these inferences. So um, there was a guy. Um, who actually came up with a solution. And um, his solution was an app. You hook this thing up to the Taylor machine. And um, they were actually at a uh, food convention. And this one guy who says, I'm not endorsing this product. McDonald's doesn't endorse this product. But he tells a lot of places that are using it. And it's keeping their machine operational. It tells you if something goes wrong. It tells you what a probable cause is. And the most important thing you don't have to do is you don't have to just call the guy. And I quote when I talked to a couple of McDonald places just locally here in my area. They said, just call the guy. And so just calling the guy is expensive. And these machines break down quite frequently. Maybe the hoppers are overfilled. Maybe something else is wrong. But the machine, every time they get a software update, just seems to be more cryptic and doesn't even explain to you what's going on. Here's another interesting thing. Taylor was going to be bought out by another company many years ago. And they were showing their, you know, their pitch deck of all the things they had. And they never talked about um, the reliability of the machine. They talked about their service. 
And they talked about the fact that they have a 25% annual revenue from maintenance. At the time, that's about 170 to 185 million dollars a year. So this is very interesting. And now at this conference, a few weeks later, McDonald's had sent an email out saying not to use this uh, system because it would cause uh, safety hazards to the machine and it would also, you know, uh, potentially void the warranty. But here's another interesting thing. About a month or two later, another company comes out with a similar solution called Powerhouse Dynamics. Powerhouse Dynamics made a similar solution, but when their solution was working, it didn't give half the information. You want to laugh? Powerhouse Dynamics, main parent company, is Taylor. So the thing about this is that McDonald's doesn't really care. Because, see, it's not costing McDonald's any money. But it is costing the franchise person. And... It's like they almost don't even want to make ice cream and have ice cream because it's such a headache. And I know a lot of people in the ice cream business, a lot of them have Taylor machines, but they don't have this special machine made for McDonald's, the C602. My question is, why would a franchise master like McDonald's allow such unprofessionalism and inadequate service and support for their machines. I mean, these machines are breaking down like every day or every week. And all they could say is, you know, we just got to call the guy. So the manager calls the, the uh, franchise operator. And the franchise operator says, oh, call the guy. Just call the guy. And the guy might come out for 10 or 15 minutes, and it could be something simple like, you know, something's not, uh, wasn't, wasn't put back correctly. Or the thing is, when this clean cycle fails, if it misses it by even one or two degrees, it still fails. And there's nothing to tell you why it fails. And so this process takes roughly uh, quite a bit of time, and it takes four hours to get the machine back to being able to freeze ice cream again. That doesn't seem worth it. Well, now today, what they do is they have a machine where the ice cream stays in the fridge, okay? It's not on top anymore. It's in the fridge. So you might be asking me, uh, do Taylor's machine, Taylor's uh, new ice cream machines have a self-cleaning mode? And the answer to that is yes, but it's different, okay? And the funny thing is their machines, manual is so complicated. And not only is the manual complicated, there's a hidden section in the, in the machine that they don't bother to share with the owners that own the machine which has critical settings to maintain the machine. They don't share it. In fact, with every new release of this machine, it just gets more cryptic. So my question is, why do you want to sell ice cream? And it's, it's really not Taylor in a sense, well, this machine always breaks down, this particular machine. But 25% of their revenue is coming from McDonald's machines. I see a, a problem there. I see almost like a deliberate plan for these machines to fail. They fail. And again, when a company talks about this whole thing, It's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. You know? The thing you're probably wondering is, 
why are more people not speaking up about this? And the manual they give their technicians that are certified is another manual that's even more complicated. They're just not really meant for McDonald's. A big problem that Taylor talks about is the unfrozen mix. It's the most common problem for soft-serve ice cream machines. It can result in a runny, unappealing mess. And there are other issues uh, that could be interrupting the cooling process. So uh, some of the experts in the Taylor machines need to come out and diagnose and fix that issue. Ice cream is inconsistent. And when the ice cream is coming out with a general inconsistency, it usually means that the temperature is uneven. Um, there could be electrical issues. Right? Circuit boards, uh, fuses, bad thermostats, uh, thermoresistors, hopper not cold enough, refrigerant leaks, failing compressors, unsealed door frame. And the list goes on and on. But my question is, why is it that McDonald's doesn't step in and say, hey, enough is enough? Like, that, that is my question. Why does McDonald's not step in and say, enough is enough? We need to solve this problem. We need to solve this problem, but no one is solving it. And, and the question you're probably asking is, Will McDonald's ever solve the broken ice cream for ice cream machine issue? It's unending. And the point I have to say is McDonald's, okay, uh, back. It was, I think, on March 9th in 2022, about a year ago, okay, uh, faced a $900 million lawsuit from ice cream machine repair startups. The tech firm that makes devices to repair the machines is accusing the fast food chain of defamation. But... Who's really at fault, right? Kitch, a startup company that created the AI-powered uh, device to monitor ice cream machines was great, right? They filed a lawsuit earlier claiming that McDonald's and the company that manufactures the chain's ice cream machines joined forces to drive Kitch out of the marketplace. In a 133-page court filing, Kitch leveled accusations of stealing confidential information and misleading its customers about safety issues. The tech firm developed a product that could adjust the machine's downtime and notify customers with digital alerts, pointing to broken McDonald's soft-serve machines. Kitch founders asserted that the food chain and Taylor company the machine manufactured really um, came together to maintain a monopoly that cost franchises thousands, if not millions. In the lawsuit, Kitch says its product was the only device on the market capable of fixing the ice cream machines. The suit alleged that after the National Owners Association of McDonald's franchises endorsed Kitch, McDonald's and Taylor attempted to create their own competing tech based on Kitch's software, a similar product that would prevent Kitch from fixing the machines. Unfortunately, Kitch is alleging that McDonald's made up false safety allegations that misled customers into believing Kitch's tech could cause serious injuries. Now, McDonald's acknowledged that its ice cream machines haven't been the most reliable. In 2020, the company joked about it on Twitter. And I quote, we have a joke about our soft serve machine, but we're worried it won't work. The fast food chain continues to dispute the allegations that come from what's put together, saying the lawsuit is baseless. And I quote, 
McDonald's owes it to our customers, crew, and franchises to maintain our rigorous safety standards and work with fully vetted suppliers in that pursuit. Kitch's claims are meritless and will respond to the complaint accordingly. That's what the company said in a statement to CNET. I believe that whenever somebody's making money, regardless of who it is, sometimes people are not going to play fair. Now, I haven't been in McDonald's for a long time. I have left fast food for, oh gosh, probably over 30, 35 years. Have I had a French fire saying what's all? Yeah, but I have no desire to go there. When I got so passionate about eating high quality food and being off soda for, oh gosh, probably over 20 years, 25 years, my life changed so much. But whenever somebody's going to lose money in a pile, they're always going to say that it's your fault. Kitsch was doing something to help the manufacturers. And because they're potentially going to be cutting into that number that I was sharing with you, you know that number, $170 million a year. 25% of their revenues. They had to do something to protect themselves. But it's funny how other companies, okay, that are in the fast food industry don't have Taylor come out that often. So these are questions I need to ask. Is this machine being built just for McDonald's? And is there a hidden agenda in there by somebody to make sure that service gets done? Is it by Taylor or is it by McDonald's? Is McDonald's getting a kickback because of all this service money? I don't know. I don't know these answers. But all I know is if I was a franchisee, I'd be pretty upset. And I know that I'd be documenting things day in and day out. And I'd be going to the media and I would be saying, look, I can't operate my business. There's a lot of people that use Taylor machines, but this C602 machine is a, is a problem. But is it the C602 machine or is it the software and is it specific software for McDonald's? So is this is the Taylor C602 special to McDonald's? They use multiple ice cream machines at various locations, but primarily use the one by Taylor. Uh, again, there is the legal drama we've been talking about, the Taylor 602. And it is very unreliable. In March, when the third federal stimulus check was dispersed, hundreds of McDonald's fans tweeted some version of the joke that they would donate their $1,400 to repair their local Mickey D's soft serves. A year before that, McDonald's itself scored almost 30,000 likes with a tweet making fun of its own machines. I think if I was head of McDonald's, I would see this as a problem. And I would say something needs to be done about this because it's ruining our reputation. Well, guys, I am John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. You know it's been a privilege, pleasure, and honor to be with you this fantastic evening. Definitely check out all my amazing content. You know who I am and what I do. And you know what? I'm going to catch you guys at another J. Moore Tech Talk show next week. But let's think about these questions because I think they're very viable.